Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Praise the Lord, everybody. You may be seated. Hopefully you all have a, uh, a syllabus there that will help you. This is, uh, I'm not going to be able to get through all of this, but I would like to just give you some information I think will help you. Uh, many of you obviously have already done altar work and you feel comfortable with it. These are just some of the things that we've picked up over the years. Uh, in 1996, we had an evangelist come by and he's been very successful all over the United States and he asked us, uh, who trains your altar workers? And we said, what? <laughs> train what? How? Do, I mean, isn't God supposed to do all that? Well, at any rate, uh, he began to train the people uh, that felt called into the altar ministry, and it, it turned out that uh, we allow our musicians to practice. We have sessions for ushers and greeters, and, and our musicians, and our pastor pre- prepares probably eight to ten hours for every message that he preached, and then when our customers come to the front of the <laughs> the altar, we don't have a clue what to say or do with them. So what we're going to do then is help you become a more effective altar worker. We believe that everyone in this church should be an altar worker. Ushers, greeters, uh, nursery workers, uh, Sunday school teachers, everybody collectively in this building is part of the altar team. You may not be up here praying with somebody, but you could be sitting in your seat interceding for the souls that are in this building. We try to create a vacuum that no devil in hell wants to come into because God is in this place. We become in one mind and one accord. And when that happens, the dynamics be changed drastically. Praise God. So just getting started here, give you some of the terminology that, that I'm presently using. Um, Sister Thomas and I have been teaching and doing the altar team now for over 20 years. We've had over 4,000 people baptized and are filled with the Holy Ghost over all those years. So we're not novices at this, but I'm not saying that what we're doing you need to do. I'm just telling you this is some of the things that you need to be aware of. Uh, We call the people that actually do the one-on-one with the altar with the guests. You know, our guests are our customers. Everything we do should accumulate down here. All the preaching, teaching, everything we do is to reach, to seek, and save that which is lost. That's why we're here. That's why we're having church. This is why I come to church. I'm so excited about altar call. Praise God. So when your pastor gives the invitation, everybody goes into the team mode. Okay? So the people who feel comfortable with coming and praying with people in the front uh, you need to come up immediately. Uh, before we started this, our altar team was basically, there wasn't any, but when the pastor gave an invitation, the whole church came up. Now, the problem was that many times the visitors didn't come up. <laughs> so they're sitting out there, and they've got a burden in their heart. They want something from God, but they're not sure what they're supposed to do. So what we have done at Calvary Gospel Church is that when the pastor gives the invitation, nobody moves except the altar team, the frontline people, the people that feel comfortable. They just walk up to the front, lift up their hands, and begin to worship the Lord. That breaks the ice. So the people who are your honored guests are not going to feel that, you know, oh my God, everybody's going to look at me. So that's been very effective for it. The other thing we try to do is we try to separate. Now, 
our guests from the standpoint, if you're in need of a healing in your body, would you come over here? We have ministers and elders and people that want to pray with you. If we have a lot of children in the building, which I believe we're going to have some Sunday school folks here, we're going to try to put them in a, when we call, I'm so excited about this because if God does what he told me he was going to do here, we're not going to be able to control this. Praise God. I said, praise God. I don't really, I'm not all about order, but I will say this, if we can do this uh, with some kind of an order, but God has promised me that he was going to come here in a way that we've never felt before. And I'm saying, praise God for that. So we're asking for the altar uh, people come up. Uh, As you know, many of our altars, uh, (laughs) they come up and, and the guest comes up and we have four or five people begin to pray with them, but they never have eye contact. They've got their hand on their back, and, they, and, and the person has no earthly idea what's going on. You follow what I'm saying? So they need instructions. So as you come up, if I could get four people up here, I just want to show you the dynamics of this. Anybody, anybody could be. Uh, uh, we have, a, we have a, a seeker right here, and we got three people, all right, get behind him. This is the way our altar team used to work. This man's up here. He doesn't have a, he just feels something in his heart. He doesn't know exactly what he's supposed to do, but he knows God's talking to him. Lift up your hands, and he's just not saying anything. And these three wonderful people come up behind him, and they all lay hands on him. And they start kind of massaging him a little bit. Go forward, stop, go, you know, and, and, and then somebody comes up and says, in Jesus' name. By this time, the guy's freaked out. He doesn't know what's going on here. Here's what should happen. Pastor Kylie comes up, two people around, don't lay hands on them. We found that if you're a first-time guest at Abundant Life Church, the only person that really should be laying on hands with permission of the guest is this brother right here. He is in control. He takes complete control and he talks to him. Hi, my name is Pastor Kylie. He said, do you have anything that I could help you pray about? We don't know why they're up there. I prayed with a guy one time who was weeping and crying, laying on the floor and I finally got him up. And I thought, oh, this is a roadmap conversion. <laughs> and I said, sir, I said, would you like to receive the Holy Ghost? He said, huh? He said, my girlfriend left. Now how am I going to pay the rent? Oh. <laughs> Duh. So here's, here's the point. Pastor Kylie then has complete control of this man. He, he talks to him and explains to him, have you ever, re- do you want to receive the Holy Ghost? He doesn't know what the Holy Ghost is. Most 99% of these people have no earthly idea what is going to happen here. And I asked them, do you have anything in particular I can help you pray about? Let's get rid of the primary need right away. Let's let him know that we care about him. And he may be going through a traumatic, he may be out of a job, his wife may have left him. Usually something happens to the, the, the visitor before he gets here. Somebody's praying for him. Something happened in his life. Some traumatic events happened. So it's our job to determine what his immediate need is. And when he begins to pray, if you see signs of repentance, then you can pursue it a little further. Then you can ask him questions. And you'll look in your syllabus and there will be things that you can ask them. I try to be very sensitive to the seeker. My main objective is the altar captain. I want this brother to return. 
I don't want him to have a bad experience here. I want him to return. I want him to, to believe that, you know, there's something different about Abundant Life Church. Not only is this a beautiful facility, but I feel the presence of God in my heart. I know something's happening here, and I want to come back. I wasn't accustomed to I didn't get a, a, a massage. I, I just felt wonderful. When I left here, everybody shook my hand, and I didn't feel... Go ahead and sit down, brother. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, so, <clears throat> take control. Never close your eyes. Always keep eye contact with the person you're praying with. That's so very, very important. Uh, if they start to slow down, uh, you can encourage them to continue. We, we ask them to uh, confess their sins. If you feel that they're in that mode, but you have to be careful. Some people have been in the state of repentance for years. They come from a nominal church and they have not involved in themselves in anything that we would consider to be sinful. So we have to, we have to try to determine. One of the things that's very helpful for people who want to be in the altar is to be here before the guests get here. It's extremely important and helpful if you're able to meet them and greet them and talk to them prior to the altar call. So if you feel that God's calling you into the altar ministry, this is a really good place to start. You can greet them at the, at the time of, uh, you, you have a little intermission like most churches do. You can then greet them and ask them what their name. When you come up to the front then, you're no longer a stranger. Your name is Bill. You know that gentleman's name. You know that lady. You understand then. You've already broken the ice, and that gives you a huge advantage when you're talking to people. Uh, well, I try to teach people to avoid Pentecostal jargon. Don't talk about reconciliation and justification and how long Hezekiah's toenails are. They don't understand all that. They got a need, a burning in their soul. All they know is that they need Jesus. This is not rocket ship scientists. We've, we are basically spiritual midwives. We are taking them from darkness into light. We're coaching them. One of the greatest coaches I know is Brother Kylie sitting right up here. He's a great leader and a great team player. But you never feel like he's pushing you. He's always coaching you to do better. Uh, we need to build up their faith. Uh, page two. Um, suggestions on what you can say to the seeker. Uh, I always ask if they understand what's going to happen when they receive the Holy Ghost. 90% or better do not understand what's going to happen. For many years I prayed with people and I couldn't understand why I couldn't get more people uh, prayed through. They don't know what they're supposed to do. They're not, they don't have a clue of what the what the Holy Spirit's all about, even to what's going to, I said, do you know what's going to happen when we receive the Holy Ghost? No. I said, God is a spirit. How would you know if this invisible spirit came inside of you unless there was some sign from God? That sign from God is when God comes inside of you after you've repented, you will speak in a language you've never spoken before. It's in the book of Acts, and I may quote some scriptures. Don't be afraid to get a dialogue going with these folks. Because if you, do, if you can't close the deal this Sunday, next Sunday you will close the deal. Or the Sunday after that or wherever. But right now, it's breaking the ice and getting them to a point where God can work with them. And God has chosen tongues to give you physical, visible proof that God's not only with you, but God's in you. I can see and feel God's presence all around you. That same presence, God wants you to be in you, period. 
Praise God. Then I tell them, you know, if, if there's scriptures that need to uh, be, sometimes they need more encouragement. I, I quote Luke eleven thirteen and Joel two twenty eight. And uh, before I lay hands on anyone, I always ask them permission. Don't assume that everybody understands what we're doing here. If you came out of a denominal church and you get into this vibrant worship and the presence of God and the singing and the type of worship we have, they don't really know anything. So before you lay hands on them, and I suggest that only the front line, the person that's doing the one-on-one dialogue, that's the only person that should be speaking. We don't need five or six voices or four hands on their back. We just need one man to take control. But you need to explain to them. Uh, we've got some very zealous altar workers that just seem to think that their job is to massage and to lay hands and to shake and to... Uh, and most of them have never prayed anybody through, and, and the real, results of it, they probably hurt some folks. But once the seeker begins to pray, you assume the midwife role. You become a spiritual instructor to them. You give them the information they need to make the right decision. Praise God. Uh, these are some of the things that you can say. You can develop your own dialogue. Uh, I always like to tell them if I feel that they understand what's going to happen, I say, now remember, Bill, when, God, when you begin to worship God, you're going to feel the presence of God and your tongue's going to start feeling strange. Now remember, you can't speak two languages at the same time. So you're going to have to allow your tongue liberty to speak in the language that God's going to give you. Do you understand that? Yes. And if they start praying in their... I can see the old whirly bird going around. They can't seem to get anything. I said, hold it. God's right there. Now you just need to loose your tongue. Don't try to make it English. Now, I do this all by instinct because I've been doing it for so long. But you can, do, you can pick up these little things and you keep the process going. If you feel that they're stalled and you don't seem to be able to get them over the hump, I stop them. And I talk to them and I encourage them. And if I feel that they're there's any resistance there. Sometimes they're sitting or, or kneeling. I don't know about you, but if I get on my knees, uh, after about six or seven minutes, if I, they'll have to get a tow truck in here to get me up again. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it. Or people get the idea that their hands have to be up. You know, and after 20 minutes, you got this guy hanging there like he's on the cross, and he really doesn't know why his hands have to be up. His hand, and you, you let go of his hand, and go, boom. <sighs> So what you do is you change positions. Uh, we have a lot of traditions in Pentecost that are not necessarily 100% scriptural. So <laughs> we got to remember that on the day of Pentecost, they're all sitting. <laughs> they're all sitting. Billy Cole used to have great uh, revivals all over, and he just spoke the word of God, and 3,000 people, 10,000 people received the Holy Ghost. There's coming a day when we're going to have to step aside there's coming a day when our altar calls will be orchestrated by the Spirit of God. And we won't have the time nor the liberty to talk to each and every one of these people. When it comes to that point, when you get to this dimension, uh, it's going to be wonderful. And there will be no part-time workers. and Everybody's going to be working in this. This is the last days, friends. This is the, this, we've been praying for this for years. We've been praying for this for years. We've been believing for an end-time revival. You cannot look at this country and this world and not say, my good, even the ungodly are saying, I can't believe this. 
this is on, all these things are happening. What a wonderful time to be living and working for God. This is an amazing opportunity for the church. As this world goes darker and dimmer, the spirit and the light in this church is going to seem more and more attractive. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Okay, those of you that are not doing the one-on-one, we ask that you stand on the left or the right of the seeker. Be, just begin to worship God. Begin to intercede, begin to bind anything that might be coming against these. These folks come in here with all kinds of issues, all kinds of things that have held them back for so many, many years. Uh, As you probably realize, I'm not following down this whole syllabus here. There's too much on here. Uh, But we want everybody to be able to be involved. Can you imagine if one can put a thousand to flight, two, ten thousand, how awesome would it be if we had a whole service where everybody in this auditorium was altar call the only thing maybe there's only one seeker in the house today but you can create a spiritual atmosphere that'll be irresistible they will want to to be here praise god all right uh Uh, possible hindrances to receiving the holy ghost on page four talked about the position uh Sometimes people are chewing gum, and I have them put it in a Kleenex. Um, and I don't want to. And I always laugh about it. So I don't want you to choke to death when the Spirit of God comes on you. So they usually just give it up, or they may have children up here. Some of the ladies then should come up and ask if they could watch the children while they're up here praying for the Holy Ghost. See, it takes a team. It takes a whole team. It's not just the pastor. It's not just the worship team. It's not just the associate pastor. Everybody in the building. Now, I understand there's things that you need to talk about. Take them in this beautiful lobby out there. Take them out there, talk about the fishing, the hunting, and what you're going to do afterward. But if there's one sinner in the house, you need to be on him or her and give them an opportunity. I, I get overwhelmed when I think about the, what's going on here. What's going on at this altar? Think about this. People are making life and death decisions. Where are they going to spend eternity? And God's given me the opportunity to be part of this. What a privilege it is to be used of God at a Pentecostal altar where you can assist somebody. You can't give anybody the Holy Ghost, but you can hinder them. But I like to believe that I'm a a sister. I can assist them. And, you know, every pastor in the world would love to have a half a dozen people who felt that this was a ministry. This is what I do. This is how I, it, so every time we have an altar work, every time we have an altar call, we have an altar call for everything. If it's a baby dedication, if it's a, a grand opening or whatever. And we get people, we have not prayed a lot of people through like hundreds at a time. But every service, if there's a visitor in the house, there's a good chance they're going to be, they're going to be baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost because of the team that's there. You have church a couple hundred times a year that gives us, take all your visitors that have come through your doors and divide that. You have, you can come up with a ratio. How many of these people, what is it costing us per visitor (laughs) to run this facility? If we begin to refocus on our product, what we're actually doing here, uh, listen, you will be amazed what's going to happen. 
Praise God. So what do you do <clears throat> when the person receives the Holy Ghost? And I encourage them to continue speaking in tongues. I don't want them to stop. I, I, I might hear a phrase out of them, but I want to ask them to continue to pray. I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging them, I'm telling them. When I see they're getting closer and closer to the, before they receive the Holy Ghost, and I, I tell them that, I say, I can see that the Spirit of God's all over you, brother. Just keep worshiping with all of your heart. There's a lot of little things you can say there, but... You, we are encouragers. We want to make sure that they have that opportunity. Praise God. So when they do receive the Holy Ghost, I ask them to continue to speak as long as they're in the Spirit. And then after they stop, I always ask them, because this is when Satan steps up. And he tries to take the seed out of them. I asked them, I said, do you know what just happened to you? Huh? I don't... Uh, I, I, see... Immediately, Satan comes to try to move the seat. I say, well, what happened is that when you begin to pray, you begin to speak. So I go through the whole thing and say, now what I'd like you to do, I don't want you to leave this building with any doubt in your mind. Lift up your hands, would you? And start, let's do this all over again. I had one kid that, he was a, a, an accountant, Joe. <laughs> but he's very methodical in his thinking. I prayed him through three times. In one service, seriously, he, I prayed him through. He got the Holy Ghost. Everybody, you know, there's a lot of people getting the Holy Ghost. They took him to the back. They brought him back up. He says, he doesn't believe he received it. Prayed him again. <laughs> Same thing. The third time, I said, Lord, you're going to have to do something here. This time we prayed, God straightened him out like a two-by-four. Boom. <laughs> and then he was a believer. <laughs> so don't assume because you hear him speaking in tongues that they actually... You know, make sure that they understand that there's more to this than a one time, two phrases out of their mouth. Praise God. So what do you do when you don't when they don't receive the Holy Ghost? Praise God. If they've had a good season of repentance, I don't even hesitate. I said, Brother, I said, you know what just happened? You repented according to the scripture. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. How would you like to walk out of this building with every sin that you've ever committed from the day you're old enough to be accountable? Woof! Washed off the record book. That's such a wonderful time to say that because they felt something probably for the first time. Don't make them feel bad because they didn't get the Holy Ghost. They repented. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's go for repentance. Water baptism in Jesus' name. And I've already been baptized, Pastor. I said, praise God, so did I. I know how you feel. I felt the same way, but I found when I looked at the Bible, there was not one instance of the mode of baptism that I was baptized. I was baptized in the nominal church, and they sprinkled water on me at the age of 11 on my head when I still had hair. So listen. So I explained to them, did you know that no one is ever baptized in any other name other than the name of Jesus or the Lord Jesus Christ in the entire New Testament? Huh? I said, no. And I don't give them, I command them to be baptized. Just like, I said, you know, oh, I, I like to wait to, no, no. I said, I'm concerned about the Mack truck. What do you mean Mack truck? I said, you could come out of this building, go into that highway, and a Mack truck could hit you. I would feel terrible if you came in here, had this wonderful experience of repentance and didn't have your sins removed. Praise God. So most of them I can get into the baptismal tank. And when they get in there, friend, they're mine. <laughs> they're not getting out. They'd be all shriveled up, but they're going to get the Holy Ghost. 
Oh, just kidding. I tried my dead level best to build faith. And now that I've got them back there, I explain to them the dynamics of every sin that you've ever committed from the day that you're old enough to be accountable. It's an amazing thing. You know that, those of you that I think everyone in here has been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. But I like to renew this in my mind every day because every sin, the devil can't come back and beat on me for something that happened 20 years ago. It's under the blood. It's under the blood. It's under the blood. It's under the blood. So we let them know that. And then I tell them, I said, now listen, friend, when you come out of that water, I want you to raise your hands and God is going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. When I lay hands on you, it's a done deal. And I tell them that because that's scriptural. Ye shall receive the Holy Ghost. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the mission of sins. And ye shall receive it. Ye shall receive it. So what do we do if we don't, if they do not receive the Holy Ghost? Uh, we talked about that. No pressure. This is something, this is my pet peeve. Uh, we have some Pentecostal terrorists in our building. Uh, they look, lurk around and they're looking for uh, people with ungodly apparel on. Or, I love it when I see someone come in with a nose ring and a big earlobe thing. I'm thinking, Yahoo! <laughs> That's mine. See, we can't clean the fish before they get in the boat. So we need to just encourage them, love them just the way they are because God brought them to Abundant Life Church right here because he felt that you people would love them and care for them and mentor and minister to them in his precious name. Isn't it wonderful? Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. So we want to make sure that we don't upset anybody and I like to explain our home Bible study program. Hey, did you know that we have a in-your-home Bible study program? Really? Yeah, I said, we'll, we'll send someone right over to your house, and they'll teach you the Word of God. Because I know you have a lot of questions, and that's good. We want you to ask these questions. So I try to sign them up for a home Bible study, praise God. And I like to take them up to my pastor. I want them to be introduced to the man of God. They like that. That's a little nice touch. Sometimes it's not possible, but most of the time it is. And if you, you should always carry a little notebook in, in your back pocket. You should have a notebook so you can write down their name. Do you, you, I don't know about you, but my memory, you know, you tell me your name and two seconds later, if I don't write it down, it's over in Etherland, wherever that's it. It's gone. So when... After they tell my name, I turn around, pull my notebook, and I write down their name. The next time they come into the house of the Lord, hey, Bill, how are you doing? Pastor Thomas, good to see you. And he goes, oh, you remembered my name. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> Only a fool tells his whole heart, so we've got to be careful here. <laughs> Praise God. Um, when a visitor has not made a move to the, toward the altar, you, and you can't detect any signs of repentance, just be friendly. I love to take people on a tour of the building. You've got a beautiful facility here. I mean, anybody from a denominal setting, and they go through this, this is the pastor's office, and this is our gymnasium, and this is the, that's pretty, that's going to make them feel, this is more than just a couple uh, people, this is a, not only a big church, but it's a friendly church, and you know, next time they come in here, they're going to probably bring guests with them, and they're going to want probably the grand tour again. 
The questions I like to ask people, is this your first time in a Pentecostal service? What brings you to our church? Do you know anyone else here? Well, yeah, I know, blah, blah, blah. Take them over there. If they say, well, I'm in computers or I'm in this. Hey, we've got a, we've got a guy over there in computers or we have a guy in construction. I'd like to introduce you to, to you know, one of the brothers that works in that field. Try to connect as many of our people with them as you possibly can. And, of course, now you've got their name, address, and telephone number. Uh, where are you attending now? These are questions that I like to ask before the altar call. Because if they tell me, well, I'm attending over at the big C church up by the square with a big tall steeple that reaches way up into the sky, then I know what I'm up against. If they're from the Assembly of God, I know what I'm up against. If they're from a, the big B church, I know what I'm up against. So it, it doesn't scare me, it doesn't frighten me, but it gives you more information. You, you become a reconnaissance person. Did you enjoy th- this service? Do you live in this area? Do you have any questions I can answer? If you can go through a Pentecostal service the first time and you see people singing and shouting and dancing and worshiping with all their heart and you've never been in here, you've got questions. I thought, my goodness, these people are crazy. My wife said, no, I know what crazy is. I've seen you drunk. That's crazy. This isn't crazy. (laughs) Praise God. And then it's obviously a good idea to invite them out to coffee for lunch, get their phone number. Uh, how to deal with contention on page five. Don't get caught into a holiness uh, conversation. Uh, don't let any contention uh, come up between you and the visitor. Well, I want to know why all these ladies, uh, uh, you know, remember, oh, praise, what a wonderful question. I know how you feel. My wife felt the same, feel, felt, and found. I use this all the time. I know how you feel. My wife felt the same way when she first walked in here. But we found, we looked in the scriptural. This is the scriptural way that God's wanting people to dress. Amen? Don't be, ever be ashamed of separation or holiness. Listen, this is what separates us from the world. Praise God. Um. There, and then, of course, I think this is pretty self-evident, but when you have an altar call and there's no visitors in the house, every time we come to church, somebody's hurting. One of your brothers and sisters is going through something. And if you pray that God would give you the spirit of discernment, you'll be able to minister to those people. You can tell by the countenance of a person's face if they're going through something. You can watch them in a worship service, and you can see that they're having a terrible time even lifting their hands because their spirit is so crushed over something. Uh, Some of these people need healing in their bodies. Uh, And that's that's awesome because... uh, we're here to reach out to them. I believe in this service today, there's going to be things happening. Um, it, you know, I, I've been really praying about this service, and I've done some additional fasting, and God's really touched my heart. And, and I believe this is going to be the service that begins another dimension, another step for, for this church. We just had it happen here uh, at Calvary. Uh, and, and Brother Kylie had mentioned to me that you guys had just went through a, a long fast in January. Praise God. You're ready. You're ripe. You now are going to take the next step. I don't know what that step is for you, but I can tell you it's been an amazing event at Calvary. Uh, 
Some people come up to this altar and they haven't spoken in tongues in years and they're terribly ashamed of it. This is a ministry within itself. And I ask people, have you prayed in tongues recently? Well, you know, if they, if they, they need to be renewed in the Holy Ghost. God has designed speaking in tongues to edify you, to give you that relationship with the Almighty God. But in our service today, I'm not sure what God exactly is going to do, but I want to separate the kids for sure, if we can. I'm all right with a whole blowout service. Just let God take over the whole thing. You read about the day of Pentecost back in 1901. They had very little preaching. It was mostly Holy Ghost. The preachers were afraid to stand up because the presence of God was so strong. They didn't need preaching. <laughs> they were afraid of preaching. They, they felt they'd get struck down if they got into the presence of God when God was taking over a service. So let's pray right now uh, that God would have his way. Uh, and I really have felt impressed of the Holy Ghost that this is the day that God's gonna do something special for this church. I'll believe it. I've, I've come here with, I'm going to give you exactly what God has given me, and I believe that there's so many hungry souls right here that want to take another step up. We can never stay the way we are. We won't make it to the end of this journey. You have to be searching and seeking for another dimension. For those of you that are in here, I was in the, I've been in this for 35 years. The last two years have been the most productive time in my entire ministry because I realized, hey, I need help. I don't have the fire that I had back when I first came in here. I've grown a little bit cold, and I want the Holy Ghost to renew me. I want him to help me see the things that I need to address. This is not just for first-time visitors. This is for old-time 74-year-old saints. And when I made my confession to God, when I humbled myself with fasting, things began to happen, praise God. Let's lift up our hands, hallelujah, and worship the Lord. God, I want you to touch each and every one of these altar workers, Lord. I want the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost to do its perfect way. Lord, that you'd anoint them right now. Let the power and the anointing come down upon them. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.